turning in the scriptures to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, reading Psalm 97. Our interest will be in verse 10 of Psalm 97. Read the whole psalm for its context and application. Psalm 97. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitudes of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings light the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. Worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and is glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments, O God. For you, Lord, are most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at remembrance of his holy name. Hate evil. This sermon is about hate. I hope that after you hear this message, you are filled with hate. We need to be good haters. Our text is verse 10 of Psalm 97. You who love the Lord hate evil. Hate evil. The Hebrew verse 10 is more forthright than most translations. It says simply, lovers of the Lord hate evil. Interpreters who believe that an exhortation to hate evil is out of place at this point will alter the text and arrive at a mild platitude. The Lord loves those who hate evil. Revised Standard Version. The Lord refers here to the Son of God, to the Lord Jesus. The first chapter of Hebrews presents a series of testimonies to the supremacy of Jesus over the angels. Verse 7 of Psalm 97 is loosely quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. Then he brings forth the firstborn into the world. He says, let all the angels worship him. Psalm 97 is dealing with the second coming of Christ when all people will see his glory and how we are to live in light of the day of judgment and the return of the Lord. Therefore, you who love the Lord hate evil. A few verses farther in chapter 1 of Hebrews, in Hebrews 1 verses 8 and 9, it goes on to quote Psalm 45, 
verses 6 and 7, and speaks of the contrast between the angels and the Son by the decree concerning the Son. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. In the ancient world, the scepter symbolizes royalty and monarchy. Why does Jesus have the scepter of righteousness? Jesus, as the King of Kings, has this symbol because he loves righteousness and loathes evil and wickedness. His hatred confronts our society and ourselves. Concerning our society, Social analysts have sifted through reams of research and have concluded that the American view of God may be summarized as moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. God is used as a combination of a divine butler and a cosmic therapist. In other words, God exists to do our bidding and to make us feel okay. Our society has a lot of hate, but little concern about hating evil. Concerning ourselves, we do not naturally hate evil. We naturally love sin. We are intrigued by the wrong of other people's and we do not want to part with our sins we ourselves are practicing. We must learn to hate sin. We will if we know God. If you know God, you will hate sin simply because it is contrary to his character. Richard Sibbs, one of the great Puritan divines, often thought about the nature of human personality and how we can examine ourselves profitably. He observed that hating sin is a proof of conversion. Therefore, it's important that we truly loathe and hate sin from the heart. Sibbs wrote, A man may avoid all evil actions from fear or out of other respects, but that is not sincerity. Therefore, look to thy heart, see that thou hate evil, and let it come from sincere looking to God. Psalm 97 verse 10 tells us that if we love the Lord, we will hate what he hates. Particularly, we will hate what is opposed to him. Evil is anti-God. If we love God, we will hate evil. The love of God and the hatred of evil are two sides of the same coin, we hate because we love. If someone breaks the heart of your best friend, you would feel anger against that person because you love your friend. It is your love for your friend that makes you so angry. If someone hurts your husband, your wife, or your child, you would not greet that with a shrug of his shoulders and a tolerant smile. You would be enraged in the depths of your being. Why? Because 
you are a loving person because you love, you hate that which injures or opposes the ones you love. We are to hate what God hates. For example, Zechariah 8 verse 17 records, Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, and do not love a false oath, for these things for these are things that I hate, says the Lord. The Lord says to the house of Israel in Amos 5 verse 15, Hate evil, love good. This is not just an Old Testament doctrine. If it was, it would still be true and applicable. Nonetheless, it is reinforced for us in the New Testament. In Romans 12 Verse 9, Paul speaks about love. He says, let love be genuine. How does he continue? Abhor what is evil. Abhor. The Greek word translates abhor, meaning to have a vehement dislike for, to hate strongly. Hate strongly what is evil. Further in the New Testament, in Revelation chapter 2, records that Jesus Christ hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans in Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 6, and he hates the doctrine of the Nicolaitans in Pergamos, chapter 2, verse 15. It is necessary to hate. It is also dangerous. Extremely Dangerous. It's like a sharp knife. A sharp knife is a useful instrument. It is valuable and yet potentially deadly if you don't handle it properly. Hatred is like that. Hatred can be a good thing, a cleansing thing, a godlike thing, but can also be terribly damaging. We need safeguards for hatred. This is a pastoral and thematic message. We focus on the exhortation, you who love the Lord hate evil. Let's think about five perspectives in which we can hate evil that are glorifying to God and helpful to our souls. These are ways that we can hate without cutting or stabbing ourselves. Our hatred must be pervasive, principled, positive, practical, and personal. First, our hatred must be pervasive. We are not to be selective. We are to hate all evil in whatever form it comes. We are not to pick and choose. Everything that is described as sin in the word we are to hate Hate, sin. Sin is lawlessness. Some sins are easy to hate. We hate them naturally, the sin of murder, the sin of theft. No normal person defends these. Most people regard these as awful and detestable. We dislike them. We are against them. They are easy to hate. There are other things that are not so clear. About these, we tend to make allowances or excuses especially when it suits us. For example, 
the sin of gossip. What a corroding and destructive sin that is. It is malicious, unkind, often untrue talk about the worst in others. How epidemic it can be among Christian people. How sweet those morsels of gossip are on our tongue. We can't wait to pass them on. Yes, you may adopt a pious tone of voice and a somber face. Didn't you hear that about her? Isn't it awful? Inside you, a little demon is jumping up and down, clapping his hands about malice and selfishness or pride. What about those? What about assuming the worst in others? There was a lady with a black poodle dog. It was one of the nastiest, vicious brutes you have ever seen. The dog was a horror. This old lady loved it. If you ever saw her, there would be scratch marks and bite marks on her hand, but she would never say anything bad about the dog. It was her dog, and she loved it. It was her pet. It could do no wrong. We treat some sins like that dog. We domesticate them. We tame them. They are ours. We are used to them. They have been in our hearts for such a long time. We don't see how nasty and ugly they are. We are blind to them. We are not to do that to sin. Remember the catechism? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Yes. Shorter Catechism 14. Mm-hmm. Every sin deserves the wrath and curse of God in this life and that which is to come. Catechism 84. No exception. God is terribly displeased with our inborn as well as our actual sin and will punish them in just judgment in time and eternity. Heidelberg Catechism 10. Matthew Henry comments, Never did God's hatred of sin appear so conspicuously as it did in the sufferings of Christ. We must hate all sin in whatever form it comes, under whatever guise and whatever excuse, no matter how culturally acceptable it may be to us, no matter how acceptable in our own circles. Evil is our enemy. Our hatred must be pervasive. Second, our hatred must be principled. Someone becomes a good hater. Perhaps too good. We begin to confuse hatred of evil with hatred of those who are involved in evil. This is a delicate and a difficult distinction to make. Psalm 5 verse 5 says, The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. Psalm 139 verses 21 and 22 says, Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. How are we to understand these assertions? 
The psalmist is able to hate people in a godly way. That is not easy to do. What we certainly are to do is to hate sin with all of our hearts. If we fall into hating those who are involved in sin, there is a danger of displeasing God. There's a danger of being too harsh and self-righteous. There's a danger of cutting off others from us. However, it is a lie to generalize and say, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What about the case of Esau or Judas? There's a real sense that God hates sinners. Psalm 7 verse 11 declares, God is a just judge. <coughs> and God is angry <coughs> with the wicked every day. Is it possible for us to do so righteously? Are we too sinful ourselves? Remember that during our Lord's earthly ministry, he was accused of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Not just converted sinners, not just repentant sinners. His enemy says, this man receives sinners and eats with them. No man ever hated sin more passionately, intensely, or utterly than the Son of God. His hatred of evil he hated evil as no man has ever hated evil. No one ever loved sinful people also more passionately, and they knew it. We must work to balance hating sin and expressing concern for others. There are times, are there times when it is right to hate the sinner as well as the sin? Are we to hate, we are to hate sin? in its principle, in its essence. Think of it this way. We hate sin because we love people. We love people who are sinning. We see what sin is doing to them and will do to, that, do to them. We see what they will have to answer for in the day of judgment. We see the guilt that rests upon their soul. We see their fearful reckoning that is ahead of them because of their sin. When we see people deeply involved in sin, let us not be too quick to dislike or to dismiss. Let us feel deeply passionate and pity and concern. That's who we are apart from God's grace. The only difference between them and Christ, between them and us, is that Christ has had great mercy upon us. Our hatred must be pervasive and principled. Third, our hatred must be positive. Proverbs 8 verse 13 begins, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And Psalm 97 verse 10 begins, You who love the Lord hate evil. The context is, You who love the Lord. Because you fear and love the Lord, and as you fear and love the Lord, therefore hate evil. In other words, our hatred of evil is to spring from our love for Christ. 
Negative thinking damages us. It makes us sour. Some Christians are obsessed with the presence, power, and pollution of evil. What they say is true, but it is also spiritually dangerous. To focus on evil runs the risk of being self-destructive, cynical, sarcastic, and judgmental. The milk of human kindness curdles in us. Rather, we are to fall in love with our Lord. We are to fill our hearts and minds with the holiness and purity of Christ. We are to study him. We are to observe him. We are to think more and more about him. We are to seek to become closer to him. We are to become more and more like him and filled with the fruits of the Spirit. And as we do, we will change in a good way. We will become more sensitive to evil. It becomes more offensive to us, more hateful. Yet it will be more graciously, be a more gracious hatred. It will be a healthy, positive hatred. It won't corrode our character. It's like a porcelain jar that holds hatred. Hatred doesn't spill over and disfigure us because it is in the context of love for the Lord Jesus. Our prayer ought to be, help me, Lord, to love you more so that I may hate what you hate. Our hatred must be pervasive, principled, and positive. Fourth, our hatred must be practical. It is a spiritual law that any emotion that is not expressed in action will become blunt over time. Suppose you are challenged by the word of God. It speaks to you. Your conscience is pricked and you are rebuked. However, you do nothing. It happens again and you do nothing. Eventually you will cease to be challenged if emotional nerves are abused, disregarded, and misled for so long, then they won't react any longer to the stimuli. This is true of our hatred of evil. If it remains only a feeling and emotion, it will die. We will get greater, need greater and greater stimulus to arouse us. Eventually, we can look at horror with a shrug of our shoulders. This is happening in our society. Think about what is being done to unborn babies. Who cares? I regret to ask you to think about abortion. But I'm asking you to make you angry. It is the most severe instance of child abuse. <coughs> Why are people not outside abortion clinics protesting against the slaughter of <clears throat> innocent babies? What's wrong with us? <clears throat> we live in a society where people have lost their capacity for moral indignation. William Wilberforce born 1759, died 1833, was a British politician, a philanthropist, a leader of the movement to abolish the slave trade. The DVD, Amazing Grace, follows his courageous quest to end the British slave trade. 
Wilberforce hated slavery. He was passionate when he thought of what was being done to fellow human beings for money. The issue possessed him. He hated the evil of racial slavery. He had been, we have been seduced into thinking that we have to be nice and tolerant of all things. We are expected to never get angry about anything. However, there are horrors, there are monstrosities such as child molesting, human trafficking, and pornography. Whenever we can, we should do something. The issues before us are complex and huge, but there is often little we can do. We can pray, but often there's little practical action we can take about the evils in the world. In this psalm, we see God hating evil and doing something about it. In Psalm 97, verse 3, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. In verse 7 of Psalm 93, of Psalm 97, let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. This is part of the motiva motivation for missions. Missionaries hate the evil of unbelief, idolatry, and spiritual darkness. It is part of the movement for Christian social reform. We are soldiers who are called to make war against evil. Are we talking about how we can fight? Do you show that you love the Lord by hating evil? What are you doing about it? Our hatred of evil must be pervasive, principled, positive, and practical. Fifth, our hatred of evil must be personal. If we hate evil, we will hate it most in ourselves. It's comparatively comfortable to focus on the evil in other people. It makes you feel good and righteous. But what about my own heart? What about your own thoughts? What about your words? Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 warns, Six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. and one who sows discord among brethren. In Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13, David writes about sin. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from the secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. David identifies three levels of personal sin. Simple errors of ignorance, hidden faults of weakness, and willful sins of defiance. As David analyzes sins, he starts with simple errors. The Hebrew word means that we do wrong without meaning to and without wanting to. We make mistakes. We fall short. We come up short of the standard. 
These are our simple errors of ignorance. David says that there are more than errors. He brings up hidden faults. One writer says, these are not which are so small that we don't see them, but they are too characteristic to register. They are so much a part of us. They are so common. We do them every day. We don't see them anymore. Daily we are guilty of hidden faults of weakness. David goes on to the more serious aspect to speak of presumptuous sins of willful sins. He is talking about deliberate, conscious disobedience. I know this is what God says I must do, but I don't want to do it, and I'm not going to do it. Or, I know that God says not to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I don't care what God says, I'm going to disobey Him. All three types of sins are in us. Stupid errors. We don't mean to fall short, we just do. Hidden faults. Sins that we don't notice because they're so much part of us. Willful sins. We deliberately determine to disobey God. We are not good people. We commit errors. We have hidden faults. We sin openly. You must hate personal sin. To hate personal sin, think about three points. First, personal sin you can most easily find. It's inside you. It's within. Second, personal sin you can most easily deal with. There's a lot of evil in the world that you can't do much about. But the sin within me I can do something about by the grace of God. I can hate evil. And here is where I'll begin. I will deal with evil in me. Third, Personal sin is that which no one else in the world can deal with but you. Perhaps God will raise up others to deal with the social evils, but there is only one person who can deal with the evil in your heart. Nobody else can do it. If you don't deal with it, it will never be done. Here is where our hatred of evil is to begin. Personal sin is most easily found most easily dealt with, and only you can deal with it. <coughs> Your heart is where hatred of evil is to have its chief focus. If you start hating evil in yourself, you will be kept safe. This will keep you honest, humble, and humane. Let me set a test before you. Can you accept and be grateful for someone pointing out one of your faults, errors, or sins in your life? Can you be thankful for someone identifying your mistakes, deceptions, or transgressions? If not, then you love yourself more than you love your Lord. You hate being hurt more than you hate evil. To hate evil is costly. It makes us vulnerable at times. Our hatred of evil must be pervasive, principled, positive, practical, and personal. Hate evil. 
There's a great promise at the end of verse 10 of Psalm 97. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. It is more than a promise that he will keep us from harm. It is a promise to deliver us from evil. In the words of the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil will be completely answered. The Lord will save us from what we hate. We will enter heaven, the world of love forever. If you love the Lord, hate evil. As you eat, leave today, are you filled with hate? Do you hate evil? Pray with me. Lord God, give us wisdom and give us peace. We remember the words of our Lord, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? We remember just after the psalmist said how he hated evil, that he immediately, as it were, fell on his knees and said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to the things in our hearts and our lives that are just wrong. Attitudes, habits, conscious disobedience, neglect of duty. We have perhaps grown so familiar with them that we don't see them in their ugliness. Show us our sin, O God, that we may seek and find your forgiveness. Help us to hate evil in ourselves. Father, make us become more like Christ. Help us to walk this narrow path of being men and women who love and have compassion for others and yet are passionate and convicted about hating evil and loving holiness. O oh Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need your help to hate evil. This is glorifying to you. It is pleasing to you. And we are asking something that you will give us. It will be good for your church and for our world. And it is pleasing to our Savior. And so we ask confidently in his name. Amen.